Welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, July 7th, and this week, it's a dangerous time to walk, a carjacking ring gets busted, and Uber sues over a wage hike. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And of course, from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by the co-founder and lead attorney, Bryant Greening. Bryant, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jared. It's great to be back again. It is always great to be back. Beautiful Chicago day, too. Nice, you know, we're, we had a little break in the middle there, a little 4th of July. I know. What a week. It's It's been pretty good weather. It's it's felt like two short weeks instead of one long one. I You know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> likewise, likewise. <laughs> so let's, let's get right into it here. We're going to start off with Monday. Um, Uber CEO talks green. Now, today reported on this in an interview. They said, quote, speaking at the Aspen Ideas Festival, uh, Uber CEO talked about the company's goal to be at zero emissions in the U.S. by 2030 and also weighs in on autonomous vehicles. Um, so we, there's a video about this, and I, and I just watched it. Some key takeaways here are he believes in 10 years, 10% of the cars will be enti- entirely autonomous, so no drivers at all. Um, he also said that if drivers do not switch entirely to EV by 2030, they're not on the platform. That He said he's committed to it, that if you don't do it, you're out. And he, you know, he also said he understands time is money for drivers, and, the, and he also understands he has to educate drivers on how, how to charge these vehicles uh, and the best ways to optimize it. So he's talking a good game. I, I don't know. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, regarding the autonomous vehicles – you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see where the technology takes us. I have been hearing about autonomous vehicles being the wave of the future and the way things are going to be for more than a decade now. And I, I'm pretty sure that about 10 years ago, uh, the Uber and Lyft CEOs were also saying that we would be, um, you know, with autonomous fleets as, the, um, as one of the primary drivers of their businesses. And that just hasn't happened yet. So I'm not sitting here saying that I can predict how the future is going to look in terms of technology, but electron or autonomous vehicles have been talked about for long enough that I am skeptical that they're ever, um, at least in the near future, going to take over as a meaningful part of the platforms. Yeah, and it's interesting too because, and maybe he slipped up here in the interview, but he even said he he first said he believes there's going to be more drivers. Period. There's going to be more drivers on the road, and then on top of that, you know, 10% will be uh, EV, uh, or autonomous, I mean. So that was an interesting take there. Um, and again, he, you know, he, he, talks, he talks a lot about, um, oh, you know, we're going to, we, we, want to, we understand the driver's concerns, but he doesn't really say how this transition is going to happen for the EV side, which is yeah, interesting. Well, EV, I, I definitely understand more than the autonomous. So EV, that is the wave of the future. We're seeing more electric vehicles on the road right now, whether it's all the Teslas that Uber's putting people in um, or, or other companies. You're seeing electric, uh, electric vehicles coming out with, you know, on Ford and Chevy and, you know, uh, Honda's got one. It, even some of the luxury vehicles, you're, you're starting to see them come out with this new technology. I think it's very feasible that the majority of the cars on the road in a decade or so are electric vehicles. So it's going to be easier for drivers to access them. It's going to be cheaper to buy them. Um, th- that I have less problem with. I have less uh, less of an issue s- foreseeing them taking over as the primary mode of transportation. 
when we talk about autonomous vehicles, to think that 10% of the vehicles on the Uber platform are going to be autonomous, I mean, that's a, that's a big number. That's, that's a lot of cars. And right now, autonomous vehicles make up like what 0.00001 yeah. of the cars on the road yeah i mean <laughs> so it's estimated that's a big what, jump it's like what is it is it estimated because of course we don't know because i don't give the data but it, it isn't like a million drivers on the road uber drivers in the u.s i mean that would be a hundred thousand that would be a, a, a large city full of autonomous vehicles right i i just i don't see it and i, I said it a couple minutes ago i can't tell you what's going to happen with the technology maybe somebody invents something that makes autonomous vehicles and, and uh, driverless cars much more feasible in, in the next you know couple of years so that's certainly possible but with the technology is if the technology is as it is today and we've been progressing at the speed that we have been over the last decade i just think that's that's a tall uh, ask it, it, it's i just don't see it yeah, I don't either. But you know, we we shall we shall shall see where this goes. I always mess it up, but we'll see. We'll see where this heads. As you said, um, we're going to move into Tuesday here. It is now, according to experts, the most dangerous time to be a pedestrian in over forty years. Uh, CNN picked up this story, and they explains uh, explained quote a, a study of state highway safety offices data, which was released by the Governor's Highway Safety Association in June. They assessed that American drivers killed at least 7,500 pedestrians in 2022. They say that's the most of any year since 1981. And it's also missing data from Oklahoma, meaning the final numbers are actually even higher. Uh, Experts attribute the increase of deaths on faster driving speeds, a lack of pedestrian-friendly roads, uh, and consumer taste shifting towards increasingly heavier and high-riding trucks and SUVs. So obviously, you have to weigh in on this as a personal injury attorney, uh, what you're seeing on your end and what what you think is the solution here. Yeah, we represent pedestrians. We've had clients who have been hit as they've been crossing streets. We have clients who have been hit as they've been exiting Uber and Lyft vehicles. This is a big problem. And as a pedestrian, you're obviously very vulnerable. Um, when you get in a car accident, there's a you know a structure of steel that's protecting you. When you're hit as a pedestrian, it is just blunt force trauma, and the injuries are really, really devastating. Um, this data is is certainly worth the, taking note of, and it you know when we're talking about policy considerations, we need to know that pedestrians are more vulnerable now uh, than they have been in in decades. Um, there's many reasons for it. Uh, one is that more people are walking. Uh, another is that cars are driving faster and are bigger than they have been in, in the past. There's a lot more you know, high, heavy vehicles, SUVs, than there were decades ago. Um, so there's lots of factors that, that uh, contribute to this, but it's certainly something that lawmakers, policymakers, uh, and attorneys like myself uh, need to take note of. Um, because people who are injured deserve compensation. And sadly, a lot of these pedestrians, we're not just talking about injuries, we're talking about deaths. Right, ex- exactly. And they've even said in this in the study, and the, another issue here is over these past 40 years, the, the industry has gotten very good at protecting people in the cars, which is a plus. But just like you said, there's no protection when you're just a person. And, you know, I thought about this too. Um, you know, think about things like the Cybertruck, right? I mean, that thing is an indestructible beast. I mean, that can go through a building. Imagine what that's, that could do to pedestrians when they, 
when he starts really shipping those out. It's kind of crazy to think about. It's really scary. And data like this, while it's you know devastating to think about all these people who were who have been injured and killed, it is a headline and it's a headline that will attract attention. So hopefully this study and in articles like the one we're referencing will get the attention of the appropriate people so that cities can be made safer and pedestrians can be uh, better protected. Right. So again, it's, yeah, it's good that it's being shown. Hopefully there's some action in, in response to it. Uh, well, here's some good news. We're going to head into Wednesday here. And I know a lot of drivers have dealt with this. So a major carjacking ring in Minneapolis has been stopped. And this is from bring me the news. They explain quote, a, mini- a Minneapolis man has pleaded guilty to his role in a violent carjacking ring that targeted Uber and Lyft drivers in the twin cities. Uh, the guy who pled uh, guilty was 20 years old and was announced last week by the U.S. Attorney for Minnesota. Um, he, the, the U.S. Attorney said he engaged in a series of violent carjackings and armed robberies. So basically the robbery scheme would lure Uber and Lyft drivers to certain parts of the metro for a pickup or a drop-off. And then when they arrived, would be armed. an armed group would be waiting, demand the phones and wallets, and, and take their cars. Um, it's good to see that this ring has stopped in this city, obviously, we know it's still a major issue everywhere. Yeah, carjacking has really gone up uh, really around the pandemic. That was when we saw the numbers start to rise. And uh, it's obviously you know, great news to hear that, that one of the big rings has been uh, you know, stopped and, and hopefully uh, forever uh, you know, curbed. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and I think that the rideshare platforms can do more to try to prevent things like this. We've talked about how Uber and Lyft drivers are really sitting ducks for this type of crime, given the nature of their work. Uh, they're anticipating uh, stopping on the side of the road to pick up a stranger. Most drivers don't do that. Most drivers are, you know, have their doors locked and aren't curbing for long periods of time when they're not intending to you know, get out of the car and go shopping or, or whatever they're doing. Uber and Lyft drivers are the perfect victims for this type of crime. Um, and we would like to see the companies take measures to try to protect them. If there is a certain uh, area where people are being uh, targeted more often, that should be taken into consideration and, and perhaps a, a warning pop up on the driver's screen. If it's always the same lot or a couple of lots that carjackings are occurring in. Well, that, that's valuable information. If it's phone numbers that are associated with uh, crimes against drivers, those people need to be removed from the platform. There's all sorts of ways that the data can be used to protect the driver. And we just, we want to make sure that the companies are being proactive in analyzing this data and then proactive in providing uh, options and, and safety uh, procedures for drivers. Right. You know, they always tout these safety features. I'd love to see them come to use and share the data with, with the cities and the counties to help out. So, you know, go ahead. That's a really good point. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't even address that. If, if there's data that can be shared with the cities saying, hey, in this five block radius, that's where a lot of these carjackings are taking place for our Uber and Lyft drivers, maybe you should put a couple more cops in this five block radius. Be on the lookout for it. Should, you know, be a deterrent. Um, so it's not just providing the information to the drivers, it's using the information to help law enforcement. And we both know that Uber and Lyft have uh, historically been 
hesitant to share their data with anybody, even law enforcement. So this would be a, a prime opportunity uh, to change that behavior and, and you know put drivers, put law enforcement, put everybody in a better position. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully they do it. Um, we'll see. As always, time always tells, good or bad. All right, we'll head into Thursday here. Uber drivers are getting targeted by what they call a highly sophisticated scam. And this is from Live 5 News. And they reported, uh, quote, Uber drivers across the low, low country are getting scammed by what they call a highly sophisticated scammer, basically taking their money away in a new way. So what happens is multiple uh, Uber employees are saying that the scammers are calling drivers on their personal cell phones with a phone number popping up as a verified Uber corporate number. So it confuses the drivers immediately. One of the drivers says he was quickly, uh, his money got quickly transferred from his pro card into his checking account upon feeling suspicious about the call. But the scammer still took $70 from him before he caught on to the plan. They also, these scammers also know which drivers have, I guess, called like an Uber pro card and able to basically verify, hey, we're Uber corporate. We know you have a pro card and can you do this for me? So the scams are getting way more advanced. Um, and it's good at least this driver was quick to transfer his money out, but still got busted with 70 bucks. Yeah, people are so evil. <laughs> True. We, we've got drivers who are working very hard and not making very much money. And these criminals are, are just taking it away. And um, it, it's really devastating to see a hardworking person be uh, victimized in this way. Um, the best thing that Uber and Lyft and all gig workers um, can do is to to be diligent and to understand that the companies are never going to be asking you for personal information like passwords or bank account numbers. Um, that's just that's not a a question that a legitimate corporate representative is going to ask. You should treat your Uber and Lyft accounts like you treat your bank account. Be skeptical first. And, and then once proven wrong in your skepticism, then you can, uh, you know, you can play ball, I, I suppose. Um, but never give out this, this personal information to anybody over the phone um, because chances are you are being victimized. Right. And we keep seeing it and they're getting more sophisticated. You just really got to be on your toes about this stuff. Um, so, but just, just a warning out there. I'm sure it's happening all over the, all over the country, not just the city. All right, we're going to wrap it up with Friday here. Uber, DoorDash, and Grubhub sued New York City. This is from AOL. They added, quote, Uber, DoorDash, and Grubhub sued New York City Thursday over a new rule that would require the food delivery companies to pay their workers nearly $18 an hour. DoorDash and Grubhub argued in a joint suit that the ill-conceived rule would have drastic and immediate consequences while Uber warned in a separate lawsuit that the city's grand marketplace experiment risks crushing restaurants and increasingly important food delivery market. Um, once again, it's like, can drivers and gig workers get any break? As soon as it looks like hope on the horizon, they're going to make a little bit more money. These companies sue immediately. Yeah, I, I think the answer to your question is no, they cannot get a break because every time something like this happens where there's more money on the horizon, like you said, there's a lawsuit that that follows. Um, Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, they all make the same arguments every time something, uh, a law like this is passed to try to put more money in the, in the driver's pot, um, saying it's going to kill our business, it's going to make the, our services 
inaccessible and too expensive for customers. Um, and if you allow this to go through, we're going to take our football and we're going to go home. Um, and time and time again, we see that their threats are empty. They're, let me tell you something, Jared. Uber's not leaving New York City. <laughs> no, of course so, not. <laughs> so I, the city should do what they what they think is right to protect the citizens of their uh, municipality. The state should do what they think is right to protect the citizens of their state. Um, and Uber and Lyft and all the others are going to have to deal with it because they're going to abide by the laws. They're not going anywhere. They never leave when they say they're going to. Um so hopefully the, the court system allows the law to, to go through because I don't really see anything illegal about it. I don't see anything unconstitutional about it. Uber and Lyft are basically just saying that they don't like how much it's going to cost. Um, that doesn't seem like a valid legal argument to me. So um, fingers crossed that the court uh, sees it in favor of the, the drivers and that they're guaranteed um, at least a floor in what they're going to earn um, and – you know, a livable wage because I think everybody deserves that. Absolutely. Like gig workers work hard enough. They need this, they need this win. And I think it was last week or maybe the week before we discussed, it might've been Seattle where, you know, they did get paid more and this whole sky is falling. Didn't happen. In fact, from what I remember that article, yeah, wages or the price increased slightly for the customer. Wait times dropped, service fees dropped it ended up being that it wasn't this much insane situation. The world didn't end. In fact, everyone was happy with it. And I imagine if this, if they don't, if they stop fighting it, just think about the idea right now. If if a worker is, like a gig worker is, doing delivery, a lot of times to try to make ends meet, they're they're doing all the apps. So they're racing around to do like Grubhub's and the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats. If you give them more money, there's a chance they won't have to do all those apps, which means there's less confusion, less wrong deliveries. It just, it all makes sense in the end to me. And again, it's always about the same thing, right? It's they don't want to spend, the companies just don't want to spend more money. That's what it's about. Every time, every time. So I think it's the more we can challenge, well, let me say it this way. The more laws that are passed that protect workers and the more times that Uber and Lyft and Grubhub lose these battles, the better it is for the driver, the better it is for the rideshare community. And in the long run, it's good. They're not, they're not going to keep challenging these. If they continually lose, if the cities don't back down, they're going to know that it's a losing battle and they're going to just have to take their medicine and pay the money and everybody will be happier. Um, you know, that's part of doing business is you got to pay the people who work for you. Right, exactly. So um, before we head off for the weekend, though, I will give you the floor, as always. Um, and yeah, we'll take it from there. Before we start the weekend, we always just remind people that uh, Legal Rideshare is here to offer um, free legal consultations. And, and um, we do represent drivers who have been involved in accidents um, and injured on the road. Uh, it's very important to contact us as soon as you can after an accident because the cases don't get better with time. There's more opportunities uh, to make missteps that can affect your opportunity to recover at all. Um, and we would love to be the ones to um, give you the information and uh, representation that you need to maximize what you're entitled to after a crash. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you, Bryant. And as I like to end every show, that is the end of this week in Rideshare. See you next week.